You're listening to Market Scale Energy. This is Lisa Vogt, and today I'm talking to Klaus Reichart, CEO and founder of Waterless Company. Welcome, Klaus. Thank you, Lisa. I'm glad to be here. I'm intrigued by the name of your company, Waterless. What's behind the name? I think very simply, it says what we do. Uh, we manufacture and distribute waterless urinals, urinals that were completely without water. So we chose a name that says what we do. How did you get involved in this industry? Waterless urinals is, is quite a niche. It's, it's, it's not something that you hear about every day. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good question. It's one of those things where uh, information and necessity come together. And this was in the late uh, 1980s, uh, where we had the first big drought here in California. Just by prior knowledge, you know, knowing what and how important water is really for every person and for the world and for economies. Long story short, it really led me to thinking about a product that could work without water or with less water. And trial and error brought me to a waterless urinal. Having in my research also found that way back in the 1890s, there was a company in Switzerland that had a very simple system uh, that worked without water. So I uh, latched on to that idea, developed it further, and brought it into the 21st century. That's great innovation. Are your products used in homes or are they mainly for commercial use? It is primarily commercial use uh, simply because you have higher water use there. But uh, in the last five years, we see a lot more interest for home use. And uh, that comes primarily for two reasons. One is uh, that we all like to be more sustainable. We like to do more for our environment. We know we need to conserve resources. And the other driver are ever-rising water and sewer costs. So even for a homeowner, uh, the sewer, water and sewer costs on a monthly basis today look very different than what they did five years ago. Well, I recently read an article about the supply and demand for water and that as less water is used, the cost of water is actually increasing. Can you give me some background on that? Absolutely. It is primarily supply and demand. Uh, we knew that we were running short, if not out, of the resource of water or water delivery. So as we uh, conserved more, it did not change that the delivery system, the operational system to deliver water to everybody and every facility, uh, you know, that costs uh, remains or became higher as the delivery systems became older and needed more repair. So while on one hand we are conserving more water and we're thinking the price of water should go down. Mm -hmm. The other side, too, is that the operational costs for the water districts, you know, do not diminish while you use less water. You still need to keep the systems up and operational. That, of course, psychologically and certainly for everybody's pocket is a, is a bit of a, of a stickler, but it's, it's just something we cannot change. We do need to conserve the resource. However, we also need to be mindful in order to get the resource, we have to have delivery systems. It's really the big picture that people need to look at 
when considering installing a waterless urinal. Their net cost might not go down for water, but they're helping to conserve water, which is important for everyone. Absolutely. And uh, especially as to what you are saying is even if the cost of water and sewer, and we do have to always put those two in the same basket, meaning when you use water uh, and, and you get charged for the water you use, the water also goes into a drain line and that is your, your sewer cost. So the per thousand gallon cost should always be the water and sewer cost combined. Very often we forget that and normally your uh, sewer cost is almost double or triple your water cost. Well, what do you feel is the state of our clean water supplies in California and across the country? California certainly, I think, has been on the forefront of pushing for water conservation. We do have particular problems in this state anyway, be it the water delivery from the Colorado River that had been diminished, uh, not to forget the Colorado River is also shared by uh, different states and everybody has requirements, but then the agreements between the states of how much water to use is in question. Uh, we have problems up in the San Francisco Delta in terms of uh, water delivery. So California has a particular situation that they need to take care of. However, in the last five years, we have on average about 33 states across the country that are now in either temporary or permanent water stress situation. Klaus, are there trends or legislation that you think will either help or hinder our water supplies in the future? Um, I think on the positive side, a lot of uh, states and uh, cities and counties have certainly implemented, uh, be it more stringent requirements in terms of how you use your water from car washing to gardening to, to so forth. Um, mm -hmm. On the other hand, too, we need to make sure that there is enough water available, for example, uh, for manufacturing. Manufacturing in and of itself is a tax base for a city, a county, and a state. And if uh, water delivery is not guaranteed 100%, let's say for a manufacturer that needs in their manufacturing process water, Mm -hmm. They leave that state, that county, move someplace else and erode the tax base. Anything that is being done in regards to protecting resources on the environment also has, has to consider really employment, tax base and so forth. Are there other products uh, that, that other companies are bringing to market that are helping to reduce our use of water? Oh, there are a lot of, lot of opportunities to reduce water in your facility primarily. I'm talking facilities, public facilities from schools to hospitals to restaurants to movie theaters and so forth. Okay. In the uh, restroom, the, the, the restroom offers uh, in the facility the biggest opportunity to reduce water use through uh, low-flow toilets through faucet aerators, where you reduce the, the water use on a faucet almost by half. Uh, then, of course, you have waterless urinals, which uh, in a man's restroom will uh, contribute about 30% of the savings you can have. 
Uh, in kitchens, you have uh, pre-rinsed spray nozzles, uh, meaning you use a lot less water cleaning your dishes. Right. Then you have on the uh, large area, surface areas that need to be cleaned, you have things what's called, for example, a water broom that uses at least 40 to 60% less water cleaning large areas. So there are a lot of, lot of products. The latest in regards to calling things waterless seems that manufacturers are working on a waterless washing machine. So there are a lot, there's a lot of progress being made. A waterless washing machine. Okay, so part of this is, is behavior change, I suppose. Like when I think about a waterless washing machine, I, I'm a little bit skeptical. Like how could that get my clothes clean? And, and I wonder if people also have the tendency, we've all grown up flushing the toilet. So do people have concerns with a toilet that you don't flush? So what do you think about this aspect of behavior change that goes along with some of these new products? Behavioral changes are always the biggest part of uh, getting innovations going. <laughs> in, in regards to the use of water on anybody's personal uh, side is, is, is very difficult. So it does take time, even on our waterless urinals, why it looks like a urinal, installs like a regular urinal, uh, and guys use it like a regular urinal. The psychological part, the first 10 years, even in some instances today, uh, is still a huge factor. So bringing innovations, uh, particularly that have to do with personal hygiene, mm -hmm. are very, very tough to overcome. And it just needs time and it needs products that show not only that they can work, but if the financial benefit, like on a waterless urinal, is there, um, I think then the introduction of those products come to the market come a lot easier. Sure. And now you've got me thinking about what I can do to conserve water. And I'm sure that our listeners are thinking about that as well. What steps can individuals take to conserve water if they really want to make an impact? An easy start is simply in a family, in a home, but also in a business uh, to just as the parents or as a CEO or somebody who is in charge of the facility just to make everybody aware of how much water they're currently using per person. In the United States, we use almost double per person as much water as people in other Western countries, not even talking about third world countries. So we're using a lot of water simply because we open the faucet and water is available. Right. So if you make people aware of how much water we per person use per day, I think that would be the easiest start. And then you would talk about the products that are available uh, from, as I was saying, the aerators, from the low flow toilets and so forth. Because people then need to, uh, or they can make the connection between what they use and what actually can be done with new products to use less. Those are great things to think about. I am a little bit afraid of finding out what that number is for myself of how much water I use, but it's something I'm going to explore. Thank you for that, that idea. You know, we also do forget with, for example, what we consume, be it uh, uh, in vegetables, be it in, uh, <laughs> from, from beer to wine to anything that is packaged, how much water is used in each product that it gets to our table. That's really another big part of something that we can and should be concerned about um, how we consume products. Uh, right. 
Klaus, are you optimistic about the future of our water supplies? You always have to be optimistic, and especially when you see what has been done already. The one thing to always acknowledge is change does take time. And unless you have an absolute emergency, that of course gets people to very quickly change their attitudes and the way they do things. But as long as we keep pushing, and then particularly if we let our kids and the next generations not only know, but also make them aware and make them do the changes, uh, I think that's the, the quickest way to keep the resources going. And innovation across the world, you know, as long as people keep thinking, they come up with new ways. So, no, I'm not only hopeful, but I'm, I'm optimistic that even if our world population grows to nine and a half or 10 billion, it will be tight, but it will be okay. Wonderful. And I believe that the people listening to this podcast right now are thinking through their habits and how they can make a difference. So I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today and wish you great success in the future. Well, I appreciate that and certainly uh, love to have the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.